Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. This morning, we are concluding our uh, series on, um, on worship that we began just a month ago. And over the past month, we've uh, heard and learned a number of things about worship. We've walked through our worship service, looking at each main part of it, understanding what it is that we do here on Sunday morning. Uh, but there's one major part of our service that we haven't talked about yet. It's a part of our service that perhaps we associate most with the word worship. And that is singing. Uh, We spend a third of our service singing together. And so it's important for us to consider what's the purpose of singing and worship? This is probably the only place that you get together with other people and sing about whatever. Is singing just uh, an emotional warm-up for the sermon to kind of get you geared up to hear me Uh, Is singing the time when we uh, really worship God and enter into his presence and the rest is just sort of like a classroom? Well, our text this morning challenges us to think about the role of singing in our church. And so I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there's there's some in the seats in front of you. And let's listen as Paul instructs us about a number of things, but particularly singing. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, teach us. Lord, teach us about what it means to sing praises to you. And may we grow as a singing church for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, other than the power of words that we talked about just a few weeks ago, uh, music is perhaps one of the most powerful phenomena that we experience in our daily lives. I think about the time when you hear that song that was first played when you first drove a car or when you first took that girl or that guy out on a date. Uh, that music has the power to transport you back to that moment and, and even enable you to feel the same emotions that you felt whenever you, uh, whenever you did those things. Uh, when you hear a Bach fugue on the violin, you're, it's as if your emotions begin to feel a little bit sad and down as the, as the hum of the violin goes on. Uh, uh, if you're like me, you probably remember 
tunes and jingles from commercials you heard like 30 years ago when you were a kid and you can still remember, even though you could never buy that product because it's long gone by now, you still remember the jingle. Um, A group in the U.S., has even started a choir for people with Parkinson's disease because they've found that when people with Parkinson's are able to sing together as a choir and to move together, it actually helps uh, push back the effect of some of their symptoms and their disease on their body. Singing and music has a powerful effect on who we are. Well, unfortunately in the church, often the power of music has had a negative impact. Uh, Music touches our emotions so deeply that uh, some of our most deeply held convictions surround music and the kind of music that we want to hear in church. Churches in the 90s, in order to avoid this problem, said, you know what, we're just going to divide our services up into different type of musical genres. And so you've got the surfer dude music uh, worship service over here, the traditional choir robes over here, we've got heavy metal and punk rock. And then for those who didn't like that, they said, we're going to blend them all together and do one service with all of those. It's hard to imagine that. Whole denominations even have been founded based upon, the, uh, based upon a particular musical style. And so people will f- shop going from church to church, not so much for teaching or for community, for fellowship, but because they know that they can get a particular type of music there. And that's unfortunate because God has given us the gift of music and singing for our good and for the unity of the church. It's important for us as a church to know why God has commanded us to sing as part of our worship so that music here at UCB can be a force for good that God intended it to be. And so this morning, I want us to see three truths about singing in church this morning that this passage teaches us. First, singing is a community activity. Singing is a community activity. Uh, For those of you who may be unfamiliar with the Bible, it's important to know that most of the so-called books of the New Testament are actually letters written by pastors to churches, just like ours. They're not some sort of philosophical treatise that was designed to sit on a shelf somewhere in a library. No, they were letters written to real people with real problems, just like you and me. And so this letter uh, was written to a church in Colossae, which is in uh, modern-day Turkey, and Paul, the Apostle Paul, the author, is dealing with a number of different problems, and he's applying the doctrine that he laid out in the first part of the letter to them in the second part. And what I want you to notice is that when he gives them the command to sing in verse 16, he's envisioning a community activity, something they will do together as a church. In fact, every place in this passage where you see the word you or your, that is in the plural form. In English, we don't uh, really have a plural you, unless you come from Texas and you say y'all, right? But if, you're, if you know Spanish, this is in the ustedes form. He's talking to a group of people, and he's, so he's saying, you guys, or you group of people, do this. And when you sing, do this together. Uh, and so here he's, we are commanded to sing as a church. Not just to sing individually to God, as if we're sort of individually communing with God and we just all happen to be in the same room. But no, but to sing with and even to one another. And this is difficult for us as modern people. The year 1860 was a significant year in in the history of music. Does anybody know why? 
In the year 1860, a Frenchman named Edouard Léon Scott de Martinville invented a device that could record sounds, and he recorded his own voice singing Claire de Lune, which became the first recording of a human voice uh, on a, that could be repeated. And before that time, music was always a live event. If you wanted to hear music, you had to go listen to somebody play a guitar or play a piano. You had to listen to people sing live. There was no way that you could listen to it on, uh, recorded until that time. And folk music like bluegrass or blues or cumbia or flamenco or huyano from Peru, these were all musical genres that grew up out of uh, people who got together to sing about their common experience together. But since then, uh, music has become much more of an individual pursuit. Think about the way that you and I experience music, just for the most part. We get into our car, we pop in our headphones, and we just we can stream whatever song we want whenever we want it. And if we don't like any song that pops up in our feed, what do we do? You just hit the butt, hit the, hit the arrow button on the right, and skip to the next thing until you find something you like. And it really doesn't matter if the person that's sitting next to you and on the Transmilenio uh, is, likes what you like because they don't have to listen to what you like and you don't have to listen to what they like and we can all have our own little musical boxes. And often we bring those same expectations regarding music into the church. We want to hear what we like, what connects with us emotionally, what makes us feel close to God. But we need to remember that we sing in church, not so that each of us, again, can individually commune with God, but so that all of us can sing together as a community. It's something that we do as an expression of love that unites us together. You heard uh, Robert read the passage from 1 Corinthians just a few minutes ago that we always read weddings, even though it has nothing to do with weddings. But uh, Paul is basically saying there, look, you can have the best music in the world. You can have the prettiest church building. You can have the best preaching and the best, uh, best coffee and food outside in the middle of your church. But if you don't have love, God doesn't care about your music. God doesn't care how great it is. Unless it's love uniting us together as a church and our music, our singing is an expression of that love that we have for one another, God doesn't want to hear our music. And so without love holding us together, it doesn't matter how great our music is, which, which means this should shape our priorities when it comes to music, individually and as a church. We should aim to sing songs that are easy for everybody to sing. We try to pick songs that are kind of right in that great, that range where you don't have to be an opera singer or a, like a baritone to sing the, any of the songs. You can, we can all sing together. We should sing songs that reflect our connection, not only to other Christians around the world, but our connection to Christians from ages past. I saw a sad statistic that in the U.S., the top 25 worship songs were written by only four people. Four people. So we, if, if, when you look at that, you see that there's a very narrow range, both historically and stylistically, that most Christians experience, at least in the U.S. So here we aim to sing songs not only from today, the good songs that are being written today, but also songs from ages past so that we can sing In Christ Alone that was written during our own generation or Be Thou My Vision from, uh, from the 8th century. So we sing a, with a wide range of connection from the church in all ages. We should sing songs that reflect the wide experience of what it means to be a Christian. 
Sometimes Christian music is always, you know, always upbeat and trying to get us to be happy all the time. And sometimes we are happy and we should sing songs like that. But sometimes we come to church and we're sad, we're upset. Something terrible has happened in our life. Our music should give voice to that, to be able to, see, to be able to sing to the Lord and say, where are you, God? What are you doing in my life? Why do I feel the way that I do? Why are these things happening to me? Our music should give voice to that experience of being a Christian as well. And perhaps more, most importantly, we should be willing to sacrifice our own preferences for the preferences of our brothers and sisters in Christ when it comes to music, when it comes to singing. I had a pastor once tell me, you should sing one song every week that you don't like very much. <laughs> it's like, well, that's probably good advice. But what does God want to accomplish with this community singing? What, does, what is God after in our church? And that brings us to the second truth I want you to see. And that is that singing makes the word of Christ live inside of us. Makes the word of Christ live inside of us. All through this passage, as we've seen, Paul is applying this doctrinal first half of his letter now and applying it to the lives of his people. And he says, look, because you have been raised with Christ, because Jesus has raised you spiritually from the dead, here are the things that you should be doing in your life. You should be compassionate. You should be kind. You should love one another. But he knows that all of those things that he calls us to do are difficult to do. It's hard to be kind. It's hard to be compassionate. And so he says, look, it's not enough for me to just tell you to do those things. You need the word of Christ inside of you in order to, to, uh, to, uh, to make you do those things. You need to get Christ's word inside of you. And then look at verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The idea here is not just having a few words of Jesus, those red letters you see in your Bible uh, inside, of, uh, inside of your head from day to day. Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. This is the idea of it being part of everything that you are. It's, it's living in every part of who you are, your body, your soul, and everything. And singing is one of the means that he's given us to make that happen. And so that we can all have the same words of Jesus living inside of us, that same musical vocabulary, that sa those same words that we can all sing and speak the same language. I'm sure many of you have had that experience of traveling to another country where you don't speak the language. Some of you are going, yeah, like that's my life every day. Uh, thanks for reminding me. You can't read the signs. Can't ask anybody for help. Step off the plane and immediately you're anxious and you feel powerless because you can't do anything. Even the most basic things like finding the bathroom or making sure you don't order something really nasty off the menu. You need to be able to speak the same language as wherever you are. But imagine the relief as you're standing in line for something, wondering where you are, and you hear your language being spoken behind you. Immediately, you're drawn and you say, oh my goodness, you and I have the same words living inside of us. We can communicate. We can help each other. We can go someplace that, that I can't go with these other people because I can't speak to them, at least not yet. 
having the same words living within us, the same words of Christ living, dwelling richly within us, gives us a spiritual power as a community that we lack, that we miss if we don't have the same words. It connects us together with one another. And singing, God says, is part of the way that he is wanting to accomplish that in our church. And this truth has implications for what types of things that we sing here in church and what types of things God wants you to sing when you come here in church. Paul here mentions psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Interestingly, he tells the New Testament church to sing psalms from the Old Testament if we want the word of Christ to dwell in us. That should tell us something about the way Paul thinks about the Psalms. He says, look, if you want the word of Jesus, sing the Psalms. How can that be? Well, those are the words of Jesus as well as the rest of the scriptures that Jesus speaks through. And so we should sing Psalms, those 100, that 150 uh, chapter long book right in the middle of our Bible is, is the, one of the chief song books. And so we just recited one. We didn't sing it, but we recited one. We're going to sing a Psalm right after the sermon. Psalms should be part of what we sing as a church because they're God's word itself. But we should also sing other types of texts. He mentions hymns and spiritual songs. These are other songs that communicate biblical truth. And even though they may not be the words of scripture themselves, they communicate biblical and scriptural truth in a poetic and memorable way that only music can do. Our songs should be clear in what they teach. I don't know about you, but I've heard a few Christian songs that I walk away thinking, that was beautiful, but I'm not really sure what that was saying. Uh, they ought to be clear so that we can say, you know, I, I know exactly what that meant. And I can sing that knowing that it's biblical, knowing that it comes from God. Um, God has promised, friends, to embed his words in our hearts through singing. And so all of us can speak the same language. So friends, sing. Sing so that we can have the words of Christ dwelling in us. But how does that happen? How do the words dwell within us? As you sort of beam them down through Male and Savannah up here, down into our hearts? No. I want you to see this third truth that Paul teaches us here about singing. He teaches us that, uh, that when we sing, we teach each other through our singing. We teach each other. He uses the singing of other people in the room. He uses your singing. He uses my singing to teach other people. Look at verse 16 again. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So there's a vertical dimension, letting the word of Christ dwell in us, but there is also a horizontal dimension to our singing. We sing and we become teachers of each other. And we even admonish each other. That means we correct each other when we sing. Think about just the, these uh, songs that we sing from time to time. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Who are you talking to when you sing that song? You're not talking to God. You're talking to the rest of creation and the people who are sitting around you saying, Hey, if you're a creature of God's, of God's get up and sing. Or this... Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever, from Martin Luther's famous, a mighty fortress is our God. Who are you talking to? 
You're talking to the people sitting next to you, the people who are thinking, hey, is, is, this, is this Christianity thing really worth living for? Or should I just live for my stuff? You're telling them, let the goods go. Let your kindred go. Let even your whole life go because God's kingdom lasts forever. Listen to me because I believe it. On the inside cover of your bulletin, I've included a short anecdote from C.S. Lewis that I found this week that I was, uh, enjoyed. C.S. Lewis, if you don't know that name, was a committed atheist, British atheist, and he eventually converted to the Christian faith and became one of its most able defenders. And he wrote a little book called Mere Christianity, which I highly recommend. And in this little paragraph, which is from his book called God and the Dock, he explains how he was admonished by congregational singing. You can follow along there if, you, uh, if you'd like. He says, I disliked very much their hymns. He's talking about the hymns in church, which I considered to be fifth-rate poems set to sixth-rate music. But as I went on, I saw the great merit of it. I came up against different people of quite different outlooks and different education, and then gradually my conceit just began peeling off. I realized that hymns were, nevertheless, being sung with devotion and benefit by an old saint in elastic side boots in the opposite pew. And then you realize that you aren't fit to clean those boots. It gets you out of your solitary conceit. Don't underestimate the power that you have to teach others about God through your singing. Kids, do you know that you can teach and admonish your parents by singing in worship? That's kind of cool, right? We don't get to teach and admonish our parents very often, but you can hear. You can teach your mom and dad, hey, guess what? Listen to what God has done. Listen to what he's done for me. Remember the goodness of his mercy and grace. Remember his kingdom. Listen, mom and dad, pay attention. Parents, you can teach and admonish your kids. I know you probably do that more than you want to. But here, you can do it by singing to the Lord. Nothing says God is boring, God is not worth living for, than standing there during the music like this. When's the sermon start? Sing and teach and admonish your children. Show them how great the Lord is. Many of you have come to me after the service, come to other members of our staff and said, I want to serve in the church. How do I serve? Start by singing. Sing loudly. Sing with conviction in your hearts. Don't just stand there and listen to the folks up front sing. Serve the people sitting next to you by singing. These people up here who lead us are, are here to help lead us into singing. And, and boy, what I would love to have us not be able to hear them coming out these speakers because we fill this room with so much loud and passionate singing. I know it would delight them. Friends, the person who's struggling spiritually that's sitting next to you needs to hear you sing about the glories of Christ. The one who is suffering and asking, where is God, needs to hear you call out to God in your songs to, to, to encourage them to do the same thing. 
The, the person who's tempted to, into sin needs to hear you sing about the joys of knowing and walking with Christ and to say, hey, if, if, if they can find joy in this, then so can I. Those who are wondering whether Christianity is worth following, whether Christ is worth giving up their life for, needs to hear you passionately sing with thankfulness to God in your heart, saying, thank you for all you have done for me. Friends, my dream is that UCB would be known as a singing church. Be known as a singing church, united as a community and love and expressing that love with gratitude in our hearts to God through psalm. And so sing, sing to the Lord and give thanks to him. Amen. Father, we thank you for the gift of music and we thank you that it enables us to to express our gratitude to you for all that you have done for us. We thank you that it gives us the opportunity to teach and admonish one another and to, find, uh, and to find yet another place where we can have your word spoken to us. And so I pray, Lord, that you would make us into a, a singing church. Make us into a church that is uh, eagerly and passionately engaged in the songs that you have given to us. And may it communicate more powerfully and more beautifully the beauty of Christ and of his gospel. And all of this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogotá.org.